Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology. From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path to become a world-class dermatologist. So welcome to the show. We're super excited to have Dr. April Armstrong with us here today. She's got a really extensive, impressive background and introduction, but part of that I want to let her tell a story of, so I won't say too much, but Dr. Armstrong is currently the Associate Dean of Clinical Research at the Keck School of Medicine at uh, the University of Southern California. And she also serves as Director of Clinical Research for the Southern California Clinical and Translational Research Institute, and then has several roles in the Department of Dermatology at USC. Um, so Dr. Armstrong, thank you so much for being here. We're very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Johnny, for having me here. So just to start out, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us about why you chose dermatology? What was your journey like to get to, to that decision that you wanted to become a dermatologist? Yes, great question. Uh, I was one of those medical students uh, in medical school who was interested in everything I saw. So I thought I wanted to be a cardiologist one month and the next month I thought I wanted to be a gastroenterologist. Um, and uh, I, I couldn't really decide for a long time. Um, and so back then, uh, when I was starting to kind of uh, winding down on my third year rotations, I knew I was very passionate about research. And in fact, uh, I had arranged for uh, this research uh, fellowship with a, a very famous uh, gastroenterologist at Mass General Hospital uh, to do work in IBD. And I decided, and there were a few months before I start my research here, and I just decided to do an elective in dermatology. And I fell in love with it uh, for several reasons. Number one is that all the dermatologists that I, that I met uh, seemed very happy with yeah. what they were doing. Um, so I, I think that that's definitely a good indication. And next thing is that, you know, dermatology is actually one of the very few fields in medicine where you're actually mostly seeing patients in their usual state. So they're, they're generally ambulatory patients who are overall um, healthy and, and they're coming in for distinct skin problem. So you're really interacting with patients in, in their usual state. Um, it's also one of the very few uh, fields where you get to see patients from when they were you know, little babies to, uh, to when they're much older. So it's, it's very few fields actually focus on such a large range in terms of age of the patients that you see. And it's one of the most flexible fields where you can do most of your, uh, spend most of your time taking care of medical derm patients. Or if you decide you can spend most of your time focusing on procedural aspects. So there are a lot of great flexibility uh, within dermatology and a lot of subspecialties within derm as well. Um, so, but probably most importantly, I, I really enjoy talking with patients and being able to uh, really improve their skin health, but also improve how they feel about themselves. Um, so I think all these reasons combined probably uh, are what drove me to dermatology ultimately. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to just nail down one reason because there's so many great parts about the field of dermatology. And I'm working on my personal statement right now and I'm like, is there only one, can I only write one thing that's so great about dermatology and why I want to be a dermatologist? Um, but I think you really encapsulated what it is for a lot of us. You know, it's a combination of many fields. There's a lot of flexibility. You get to see 
the pediatric population, um, all the way to, you know, people who are, who are about to, to die, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so it really is an incredible field in that way. Um, what do you do to inspire others to join the profession? Do you, do you tell budding med students that, you know, you need to discover dermatology? Yeah, I, I usually just try to share my own personal journey because I think our own personal stories are probably uh, the most powerful. And I certainly don't have uh, among the most powerful sort of inspirational stories. But one thing that I find rewarding for me as a mentor, for example, uh, to my medical students and the wonderful research fellows that, that come through our USC program who work with me um, is that I... Uh, want to instill a sense of um, excitement about research and innovation and how we can really improve the lives of people with skin diseases uh, through these efforts. Uh, Now, most of our, um, most trainees, I would say overall, when they, uh, you know, become attendings or or get into the field of dermatology, may not spend a lot of time in research, um, ultimately, when they, when they finish their training. But I think having um, some research experience under your belt uh, will help all of us appreciate how innovations are, are done and developed in dermatology and how our field can continually uh, go forward and move forward uh, in terms of uh, having better technology or better drugs for patients with skin diseases. So I would say that hopefully with the fellows, research fellows that I have, um, with the time we spend spending with our uh, research patients, but also through uh, efforts like writing, writing manuscripts, right? This can be oftentimes a very painful endeavor for a lot of medical students. Uh, But I personally really enjoy writing and then really sitting down with them, looking at their manuscripts. Um, So I think it's probably these, uh, hopefully these little acts uh, on on honing writing skills, honing things that that we can express our better ourselves better through writing or through um, through presentation, and uh, uh, but ultimately finding uh, newer innovations and, and better treatments for our patients that hopefully uh, inspire our next generation. You included Johnny in terms of joining our profession. If if I can just add very quickly, I would say my research fellows, uh, many of them are med students. Um, equally inspire me in in many different ways because they come from different institutions and they have different backgrounds. And I have just been so incredibly inspired by their energy, their dedication and their innovation. They're so innovative um, in so many ways. So it's definitely a two-way street here. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. I was looking at the the website for your lab um, and it's really cool to see how much you appreciate that mentorship connection. You know, it is a two-way street, you know, for you and and the people that you mentor and who are your research fellows. Not every medical student goes on to do a research fellowship. What advice do you have for medical students who want to get involved in research and are just having a difficult time getting through that doorway? What, What, do you have any advice there? That's a great question. My main advice there for students who feel like they don't have the opportunity to work with any mentor locally, for example, and and we have students who are at medical schools where they may not have a dermatology division or department. Um, I would say the key thing is probably to reach out to as many people as possible. Uh, So I'm an epidemiologist and 
it really matters what the end that you start out with. And it may seem really daunting to say, gosh, you know, reach out to as many people as possible. But it's really true that you probably need to reach out to a lot of mentors. Um, and many of them, you know, may not unfortunately accommodate the student due to, you know, time or, or bandwidth constraints. But all you need is one or two people who uh, would be interested in working with you. And that can be uh, sort of the, the wedge or the opportunity for you to work on a project with them um, and uh, or, or help one aspect of it. You know, you may not be able to, given your time constraints, to finish the entire project, for example, uh, in the short period of time. But just say, you know, I'm really motivated. I am excited. And I want to, I do want to, you know, see this project to the end, you know, to the extent that's possible. Is there an element of this that I can help you with? And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, that will be um, the, the in uh, for, for doing good research or, or writing good papers with, with some of the mentors. Well, thank you. That's, that's really great advice. As far as your career goes, what have been some defining moments of your career? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I think about that question, so I, ever since finishing residency, I moved a few times and uh, most of the move is actually due to more, I would say, personal reasons, family reasons. So I would say defining moments uh, if I were to, in this context, sort of, you know, talk to um, the medical students who are most of your, your uh, audience is really when you're, when you're thinking ahead, I would say training. Um, I know a lot of us are very into making sure the location fits, you know, where we want, but the training is one opportunity where it essentially really sets up um, the basis for all your future training. Essentially, your education that you get in a residency program essentially will anchor um, everything else you learn afterwards. And this is very important because I'm almost PGY 20, right? So, <laughs> so um, but I can remember distinct moments uh, in my training. I would say, oh, this attending taught me, for example, you know, how to inject assist and things like that. So I would say while location is very important still and a very important factor, I think when you're selecting ranking residency programs, I would say really think about the quality of training as something, um, ha have that take a high priority uh, when you think about the different factors. Um, so definitely defining moments, certainly residency, but, but following that, um, uh, there definitely comes to an element where our lives just mature and evolve over time and you may have family or children and a lot of the decision believe it or not afterwards is maybe proximity to your parents who can maybe babysit your kids um, and even though those may be decisions that we you know we, we at your stage and certainly when I was at your stage I didn't really think about any of this but looking back retrospectively almost every single move that I made you know from one institution to another um, and they've all been great experiences, but we're really motivated by sort of family personal factors. So, um, so when you're thinking about the next job, um, I, I would like to say, don't be afraid to, once you finish training, I know this is a, a bit still down the road, don't be afraid to go straight for what you want. So if you really wanna live in, I'm just using an example, if you really wanna live in Southern California, 
just, you know, go there, you know, don't, don't feel like you need to have intermediate steps. I'm, I'm always thinking about, gosh, you know, if we need to go from A to B, what is the shortest step and have the, uh, have the courage to do that, to do that. It may not always work out. And, and I've, I have certainly had many failures in my life, but, um, but I think really, you know, in your heart of hearts, uh, think about what you may want, seek out experiences that can inform you of that decision. If it's, um, medical dermatology, if it's cosmetic, aesthetic dermatology, if it's Mohs, um, after you've had some exposure in your heart of hearts, you will know, and don't be afraid to pursue that. And don't, don't let other people's expectations or dreams, um, you know, don't feel like you, you need to live up to their, their expectation of you. So I always tell my trainees, yes, you know, especially the research fellows, I say, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll do, a, you'll learn a lot about psoriasis, but you know, I will support you, um, no matter what you do, you know? Um, yeah. so, so I, I think those are probably things that, uh, when I think about defining moments, um, that I think about in terms of family and, uh, uh and how that sort of shaped where I ultimately selected the, the, the different institutions. Yeah, that's, it's, it's good to hear that coming from somebody who's finished training and is in a career because as med students, we often have those thoughts, our classmates or our friends or family question our decision to be a dermatologist. And then you get into a dermatology residency and people question your decision to, to specialize. And I, I, I like the advice of do what you feel is right in your heart of hearts. So mm-hmm. now we, we kind of want to shift gears a little bit and talk about professional societies. Professional societies for me have been a really great way to, to connect with mentors and things of that nature. Why do you feel it's important to be involved in your local, state, and national societies, both now and in the future, you know, now as medical students, and then in the future, once you're a practicing physician? Yeah, so that's a great question, Johnny. And I think, first of all, you asking that question, you are, you're definitely like light years ahead of me when I was a medical student. <laughs> and uh, um, so I think as a medical student, one key advantage of being involved in local, state, or national societies is the camaraderie that you can build with, number one, not only other medical students, but mentors that you would not otherwise come into contact with. And there are certain probably prototype of people who get involved, uh, you know, once you, once you finish training, who get involved in these societies um, because they, uh, they really want to uh, do something that's, you know, bigger than maybe their own immediate microsphere. And I think they are also probably more likely to engage and to mentor people uh, because because they're of that kind of constitution and they, they may probably they may have more time as well. So there are a lot of great dermatologists, you know, who for, you know, whatever one reason or another or in their particular stage in, in their lives, they may not have the time at the, this current time. But um, and they may get involved later on. But as a student, I would say it really opens up avenue beyond your medical school to connect with people outside of, for example, the attendings in in your department. And that connection is really valuable when it comes to 
for example, seeking advice from different people, right? So, so we could only seek advice probably only from people. We, we sort of feel like, oh, you know, is it okay to ask this question? Does it come across as, you know, too forward or, or you know, but, but if you naturally get involved with these societies, especially local ones, um, you get an opportunity to, to do projects with, with other people. And then you get diverse um, opinions too. So not just from people in academia, such as myself, but very importantly from people who are, who are in private practice or, or who are in other types of group practices as well. So I think these connections are, are really vital. Um, and especially if you're thinking about residencies locally, for example, um, a lot of the um, folks who are involved with the local societies uh, may also uh, either you know, already practice in the area that, that they want to be ultimately in locally, or they may be a part of academic institutions where um, they may have the opportunity to interview you later. Um, so, so I think it's, it's really, uh, uh, really a wonderful opportunities to get involved. But you have to also get involved, not just for the reason of you know, establishing connections, but uh, be really passionate about some of the issues that um, your local society and national societies are, are working on, because ultimately that will drive the quality of work that you do within those societies. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to a lot of conferences and society meetings, but I did go to one and it was really nice because it, it wasn't the AAD. The AAD is super fun to go to from what I've heard because it's this huge meeting. Uh, it's very exciting, a lot of top of the line research and, and it's just a really cool place to go. I went to a smaller meeting and it's exactly like you said, I met residents from multiple programs and program directors and um, was able to connect with residents and get tips from them and advice from them. But then also the, the sessions that I attended were wonderful talking about, talking about wellness and psoriasis. And some of it was a little too high level for me at my point, but, um, but some of it was right on the dot and exactly what I needed. And uh, so, so I, I see exactly what you mean. Can you talk to us a little bit about what societies you are a part of? Absolutely. Um, so I'm a part of a, of a number of different societies uh, just because I'm old, um, but uh, I am on the board of CalDERM um, and also uh, on uh, the board of the American Academy of Dermatology. I'm on the board of National Psoriasis Foundation. I'm also on the board of this organization, international organization called GRAPA, which is Group for Research and Assessment for Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis. I'm also on a number of other international uh, sort of inflammatory disease organizations, um, such as uh, something called IDIUM, which looks at measures in dermatology, um, as well as International Psoriasis Council and International Eczema Council. But I don't want to bore you with the, the list of these organizations. <laughs> as you can see, apparently I can say no to people or things, um, but, but they have all been uh, rewarding in their own ways. Oh, awesome. That's incredible. I didn't even know there were that many... Uh societies to be a part of so uh, yes in dermatology you'll, you'll find two things number one there there are a lot of great uh societies that you can be a part of and and i wonder you know and i was thinking about this before our conversation here I, I think as medical students it might be helpful to be involved first maybe in, in a bit smaller um society just so that um you can be a bit more visible and can make a, a bit larger contribution because sometimes 
uh, AAD is great, but sometimes AAD can seem a, a bit overwhelming for a medical student. Um, sure. And uh, and they're definitely once you become a resident, there are definitely specific rules for the residents as well. Um, so AAD is kind of flavor, but I think to do sort of a bit more involved or meaningful work, I think smaller societies is a great way to start. Yeah, I agree. It's a lot easier for a medical student, like you said, to be to be a part of it in a in a smaller society and to be helpful, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to talk a little bit specifically about CalDERM. What is CalDERM? Is this, I'm assuming it's the state society for the California dermatologists? Absolutely. Yes, uh, that's exactly right. Um, and we're one of the largest state societies uh, in the whole country. And CalDERM is a place where um, dermatologists uh, who practice in California can come together, not only for the purpose of education, but very importantly for advocacy for our field, and especially addressing issues that are specific uh, to dermatologists in California. Um, it's a very important society, and we, we put on a number of uh, different meetings uh, as well uh, throughout the year. Uh, there uh, is typically a Northern California um, uh, CalDERM uh, symposium, and then there's also a symposium oftentimes in the fall, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later, if given the opportunity, um, uh, that's, uh, that happens in, in Southern California as well. Yeah, we would love to hear about that. What Tell us a little bit about this meeting that you have coming up. I believe it's in uh, September, is that correct? Yes, so CalDERM Fall Symposium uh, is in September and it's in Carlsbad uh, in Southern California and it runs from September 23rd to the 25th. And we have mostly dermatologists from Southern California region, well-known dermatologists who are experts in their uh, various fields uh, will come together and uh, speak on the various topics. And the various topics range uh, from procedural dermatology to complex medical dermatology. And we even have topics uh, in, terms of, uh, uh, in terms of how to manage your online reputation, which I'm definitely not an expert on, but we have <laughs> Dr. Pimple Popper, Dr. Sandra Lee will speak oh. there as well. So um, yeah, so a lot of great uh, derms in Southern California will, will gather together um, and uh, to speak at the meeting. Uh, but also we have uh, dermatologists uh, from all over the country uh, are encouraged to attend. We also encourage medical students, if you have the time, uh, to, to come down to Carlsbad uh, to attend there. As an added benefit, that's where Legoland is, um, <laughs> in case anyone wants to sneak over to Legoland. Um, uh, but yeah, so, so it's really full of um, uh, really great educational session. Uh, we also have opportunities for the residents to present their work there uh, as well. And importantly, we have a uh, young dermatologist panel uh, where we have uh, people who are at various stages uh, of their career essentially um, give advice to younger dermatologists with regards to um, professional career development and just sharing stories about their journey. And hopefully these stories will be helpful and informative to people who are just starting out. So I, so I think that session will also be very informative for medical students if they're interested in, in coming to attend. Yeah, I wanna come not only for Legoland, but yeah, this young dermatology, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds awesome. Yes. Now, how can medical students and residents be, because 
I, I enjoy going to things that benefit me, but I also like to be part of something bigger, you know, to, to feel like I'm contributing, right, and giving back. How do medical students and residents play a role in CalDERM? How, how do we really benefit the society? Yes, um, so you can, um, you can come to our website and uh, really uh, uh, join CalDERM um, and, and the uh, we have we have different ways in which we can engage our trainees, uh, residents or medical students be a part of be a part of this endeavor. Um, I think we definitely still have areas where we can do more, especially with medical students. Um, but I think um, I think that is something uh, that we can work on. But I know that the Calderm leadership is very interested in having the next generation, our trainees, to be involved with our society. And you may be a medical student, for example, currently going to medical school in a different part of the country, but let's say your family is in California, right? And, or if you wish to be in California in the future, uh, we all welcome people who have interest in, in hopefully being a dermatologist in California uh, in, in the near future to be a part of our society. And, and you can bring issues that, that are relevant, uh, that you think may be of relevance to our membership, uh, to the leadership as well. And, uh, and we definitely are keen to listen uh, to your voice. Yeah, when I, when I talk to students who are deciding to go into dermatology who are a year or two behind me, I consistently encourage them to go to society meetings um, for the reasons that you're talking about, to, to, to listen to, to great sessions, but also to meet other people because it's really hard to connect over the, the internet sometimes, sometimes it works, but it's, it's totally different when you get to see somebody face-to-face, -face, exchange email addresses, and really get to a feel of their personality. And so I really do think this is a great opportunity for anybody who wants to practice in California in the long run. Or, or you know, as you mentioned, you know, they really want to train at an institution there. And so maybe they just want to spend a couple of years there. This is a great opportunity to network with people who are there. Um, to wrap this up, knowing what you know now about the profession, about dermatology, your career, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Um, oh my goodness, that's a big question. <laughs> um, that, that's a great question. So, and, and, I, and I will kind of speak from my own journey. So, so I have always loved research. And for me, I, when I was a resident, and, and what I'm about to say hopefully will be relevant to all of our medical students. I, I think most of you will, will embark, uh, if you're listening to this, you're already in a different cohort. <laughs> and most of you will uh, embark on the journey um, uh, for dermatology. So, so when I look back, um, I, was, I, I, I really loved all aspects of derm. And I thought about maybe pursuing for example, uh, a, a most fellowship back then. And, uh, um, and also I had a great mentor in dermatopathology, Dr. Marty Mim, uh, when I was in training at Harvard. And so I was really interested in all these different fellowships. And, uh, um, and I even had the opportunity of potentially pursuing one. Um, uh, but I was so into research and I still am very into research and I love research. And research is one of those things, once you become an attending and embark on the research journey, um, sort of interruption to that could be very challenging or difficult for a 
successful research career. So I, I didn't end up doing any fellowships. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and I, I really enjoy my research, but I oftentimes do think back to my younger self and said, wow, you know, if I did take on that opportunity and I, if I did do that fellowship, uh, how my trajectory would have been different. So I guess my advice, one advice is that if you're really interested in one particular area later on, let's say in dermatology, whether it's pediatric dermatology, derm path, or uh, procedural dermatology, um, I would say if you have the opportunity to do the fellowship, I would say strongly consider it. The possibility of you then becoming, finishing your training, becoming attending in academia or going to private practice, and later on several years coming back to do a fellowship, that possibility realistically is very low for a number of different reasons because the other priorities you know, come, come into light. So I would say, and, and this advice probably won't sink in until like probably a few years down the road, you're like, gosh, you know, I really love Dermpath, right? And they're asking me to decide in my first year of residency, Derm residency, I, I hardly know the difference between this and that. Um, but take the time to really think about these fellowship opportunities early on. And if it's something that you're really passionate about, I would say, pursue it and because the really the the can you come back short sure. what is the likelihood of you coming back after a few years from graduating from residency to do a fellowship probably pretty low but while you're still in training you're still um uh you know in, in that really mode of learning a lot um if you're thinking about fellowships i would say think about it hard and and there's probably no better opportunity to do it than right after your residency to pursue uh, fellowships in pediatrics, dermato pediatric dermatology, or or uh, Mo's fellowship, or 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 derm path. Awesome. Well, Dr. Armstrong, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We'll put links in the show notes to to uh, the Calderm Society as well as some of the other things we talked about. But uh, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much, Johnny, for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the DIGA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to dermintrustpod at gmail.com. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 